Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Say hello to your neighbor this morning if you have a neighbor. Or just yell. Yeah, yell across the room. <laughs> I know it is 10 o'clock and we're starting, guys. Mark this day in history. So um, we are so happy that you're here this morning, whether you're joining us online or you're in here in person. Um, thank you so much for coming. Um, we just hope that you feel the presence of God this morning. That's what we're here to do, to be in community, um, to hear some word, to hear some worship, and to be in God's presence. So this morning, um, we're going to bring worship, nope, yep, worship through the music, and then Brent's going to bring worship through the word, um, and I'm going to pray over us. So God, uh, thank you for your, for your goodness, your kindness. Um, we welcome you in this place this morning. Um, and I just pray that your your presence be felt by all who are here. So bless our service. Um, bless our meeting after this. And um, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So however you feel comfortable to worship, you can worship. Um, and then we're going to uh, get started. Cross. 
morning church it's great to be with you today um, I uh, was thinking as we we're singing the second song uh, sometimes on forms that you have to fill out um, or on uh, if you're listening on the telephone to a recorded message they'll they'll say you know do you speak English? Or if you want to hear this in Spanish, press 2 or whatever. So, you know, we think I speak English, I speak French, I speak Spanish. Well, we were reminded this morning that I speak Jesus. <laughs> uh, 
a little different way to think about it, uh, but in, in whatever language, we can still speak Jesus. And Jesus hears us and translates for us and uh, intercedes for us and helps us in so many different ways. And it's a powerful thing to know that we all speak Jesus. Well, welcome to the Vineyard Community Church. We're glad that you could join us here, uh, here in the church or online. Um, we welcome all of you. We are live streaming our Sunday services on Facebook. Uh, also, we will be sharing communion today uh, following the, these announcements. Uh, and for those of you at home, we invite you to uh, grab a cup of uh, grape juice or something and some bread or crackers to join with us. Today we are finishing our sermon series in Genesis, The Patriarchs. Um, it's been a powerful, powerful session and uh, a series for us. Uh, and Brent's message today is Joseph, a type of Christ, family saved and blessed. And we'll be looking at Genesis chapters 42 through 50. Um, so that could be a long time, but maybe not, maybe not too much. Uh, grab your Bible and, or cell phone and look up today's text. You'll also find part of it printed uh, in your bulletin. Today is Name Tag Sunday. We invite you to wear a name tag. Um, take a moment to meet someone you don't know. Know that um, God doesn't need to see your name tag. He already knows your name. Um, but some of the rest of us would like to know it also. So wear the name tag. Uh, it's appreciated. This Wednesday, February 22nd, is Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Um, why not just ask God, what could you do to know God better during these 40 days till Easter? So it's 40 days, not including the Sundays. So if you count them up, and uh, the Sundays are always holy days, but Lent is a time of introspection and uh, a time to grow closer to God. Next Saturday, February 25th, is our first class in The Meaning of Marriage, A Vision for Married and Single People. Um, we've been advertising this for a while. This is the book uh, by Timothy and Kathy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage, Finding the Com Facing the Complexities of Commitment with the Wisdom of God. So married or not, we invite you to be a part of this class. Uh, quite a few have already signed up. Uh, cost of materials is $22 per couple or single. Um, you can also purchase it yourself uh, for Kindle or audio. Um, and we have a video uh, talking about this from our very own Zane and Kaylee. So let's see what they have to say. Dating, married, pros like us who understand the importance of <laughs> So we want you to come join us starting February 25th. It's going to be from 12.30 to 3 every Saturday um, at the Vineyard. So please, please come. We're going to be using these books. Um, and Bye! Bye!
pros at it now. Our youth went on a retreat this last weekend, and uh, I think we have another video. Thanks to Marvin and Janice uh, for taking the kids there. Don't forget today is offering. We have a small table at the back of the sanctuary uh, for your offering, uh, which can be of any size, big or small. Um, please don't forget your church uh, as, you're, as you're giving. And now for this week's moment of black history, Suzette and Alice Simmons are... Or, uh, or Alicia Simmons have something special for us. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see my church family. Yay! <laughs> Amen. God is faithful, and we're uh, so blessed to be able to um, be on a journey with him, to be able to love him, to be able to trust him through the good and through the not so good times. So our song today is Through It All. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God 
again ladies that was beautiful mm -hmm. uh, we will continue our worship now with communion we have the privilege of remembering our Lord's last supper his death on the cross and his resurrection his body and blood were sacrificed for us so that we can be righteous before God please take this time to quiet your mind and open your heart to God our church practices open communion for all believers not just for those from the vineyard if you are a believer join us if you not if you have not accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life Jesus invites you to come up now and receive him as your Savior for those of you at home grab a cup of juice water and a cracker or a piece of bread if you didn't receive a communion cup when you entered please raise your hand so we can give you one after the reading, we will take communion together. 
hopefully you can get yours open. As we prepare to take communion together, uh, again, we encourage you just to take some moments of reflection. Uh, the song that Kaylee sang this morning, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place and bear my cross. You laid down your life so that I could be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And communion is just a moment to reflect on just that, what he's done for us, the fact that he laid down his life for us. I just encourage you to take a moment to reflect on that and take a moment to just hear what he might be speaking to you in this moment. Take a moment just to say thank you and take a moment to receive um, any words of correction he may be giving you. He lovingly corrects us. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. 23 to 26, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord to death until he comes. Let us go ahead and take communion together. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We stand in awe of what you would do for us. We didn't deserve it, but you, you sacrificed anyway. So we thank you for love. That's, that's hard to understand sometimes how you could love us so much. And as we take time to just reflect on what you've done for us, how you gave for us, how you sacrificed for us, we pray that we'll just have a, a moment of reflection and renewal, that you'll renew us as we go forward in this week, that we'll feel renewed in our commitment to you, renewed in our willingness to obey you, renew in just our um, excitement about getting to know you better. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share in communion together. In Jesus' name, amen.
Oh, there we go. The battery is in backwards. Ah, hmm. We won't. We want to. We want to attribute fault to the backwards battery. It was the battery. It was the battery's fault. Now I'm going to thank um, all of our AV team who's been faithfully serving us week after week after week, including our worship team, um, Dave Prouty, Cindy Langford, Dave Anderson. We got this new guy with the big beard back there too. I don't know his name. Troy something. Troy. Yeah. So. Um, Troy Dorning. So if anybody's ever interested in, in helping out with that, let us know because we're always looking for volunteers to help with that. It's a, it's a great way to serve the community. It's a um, kind of a fun thing to do. It's not super complicated. Um, so, well, Father, I, I'm just really thankful today. I just listening to the service I was just ministered to through your worship, just sense your presence in a very good way here today and through the just the Black History Month and just this beautiful body that you brought together, every nation, tongue and tribe. And God, um just for all our new people, all the old people, we just we pray that you would come and do everything you want to do today, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So um even though the the title sorta of was a little bit different than this, I decided Last night I came across this uh, uh, great title. It was called Oops, Ugh, Aha, We and Yay. So um, it's actually from this uh, a famous book written in 1980 called The Homiletical Plot by Eugene Lowry. And it was on preaching. It was a, s- a structure that basically summarizes a lot of the scripture in a lot of our lives, doesn't it? It's kind of Oops, Ugh, Aha, We and Yay. It doesn't sound like life. Sometimes in reverse order, backwards, forwards. And today we're going to continue and finish up with um, the story of Joseph, the patriarch. And his story is really a, a pretty amazing story. I mean, all of these are amazing. But one of the things that we run into in this is what's called a meta-narrative. There's like this big narrative in the Bible. And, and, and you know who the hero of the Bible is? God, yeah, God, Jesus, he's a hero of the Bible. But there's all kinds of sub-stories in this meta-narrative, and we can fit and find ourselves in all these sub-narratives. And so by narratives, I mean they're they're stories, but when I say stories, that doesn't mean they're not real. They're real, but they're also this amazing picture of God describing how he's working in each of our lives in unique and in different ways, maybe not in spectacular like opening the eyes of the blind and all that kind of stuff, but through the daily activities of life, through the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard parts, the challenging parts. And maybe you're here this morning and you're going, th- you've just been going through some really hard stuff, and you're like, God, where are you? I don't get all this. And I hope by the end of this message that you will understand everything that happens to everybody in the whole universe all the time. Not really. You know, the fact is that we won't understand a lot, and we don't understand a lot. A lot of times we don't understand it until later, and some things we may not even understand until we're actually with Jesus. Amen? And so today we're coming to the story of Joseph. Let me just catch up some of you that maybe are not familiar with Joseph. Joseph was one of the patriarchs. There was this promise that God made to Abraham um, long time, Abraham, long time ago that, that through the whole earth, 
he he would be blessed, and through the whole earth, um, and through his progeny, the whole earth would be blessed, and God would begin to undo this broken, fallen world. Have you realized? Do you realize that we live in a broken, fallen world? Have you realized that? Do you ever watch the news? Do you ever go outside? Do you ever wake up? Um, we live in a broken, fallen world. We do, and and the fact is. That, that the good news is that God hasn't abandoned this world. He hasn't. He, he, from chapter 12 of Genesis on, he begins this process of restoration and healing and, and redemption. And like one, one writer says, thankfully the arc of history bends towards, the, the, bends towards justice because of who God is. And ultimately that justice will be complete and whole. But sometimes it doesn't feel like that, does it? And in Joseph's life, we see this life of Joseph. Joseph was Jacob's, one of Jacob's sons. He was his favorite son. And Jacob had lots of sons. And Jacob was kind of this conniver. If you read through like the patriarchs in the Bible, you realize most of these guys, or women or men, the women tend to be better than the men are, but a lot of them, a lot of the, a lot of them, the men, you know, are just they're pretty messed up. Have you realized that? Their their lives are pretty messed up. And we read through it and we go, man, these guys are really messed up. And in fact, I've I've read through it lots of times. I, you know, went to seminary, studied the Greek, understand some of the Hebrew, but I still am astounded by how messed up they were. And so Jacob is pretty messed up. He's always trying to make God's will happen, and you know, and and God's going, dude, chill out. I'm God. You're not. I'm going to make this. It's going to happen. Don't worry about it. You know, I can do this. And so in that process, he, he ends up having it, sons. And he knows that through him, this promise of redemption and, and transformation is going to come. And he favors one of his sons. He does like, if you want to know how to be a really good parent, do everything opposite of what Jacob did. So that would be a good way to be a good parent. Um, Jacob showed favoritism. He he elevated his son Joseph. He actually literally makes him this robe, and he flaunts it in front of all of his other brothers. If you want to make you know your family jealous, give one thing to one of the kids, and then make them special, and just ignore the rest of your kids. That's it. So anyway, that goes on. And then not only that, but but Jacob, Joseph actually gets these dreams. And these dreams, first one he sees, you know, all of his family bowing down to him. And, of course, he shares it with his brother. You know, because isn't that what brothers do? Nah, 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 nah. I had a dream. God, give me a dream. You're all bowing down to me. Nah, 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 boo-boo, whatever. And then he has another one where the sun and moon and stars are bowing down to him. And he shares that with his brothers too, and his dad's finally like, I raised an idiot. <laughs> you know, like, this is really bad. And so anyway, in that process, he goes out in the field. His brothers do. They, his dad sends him to go check on what's going on. They, they see Joseph coming. They're just, they hate him. They hate him. So he's full of arrogance and pride. They're full of hatred and unforgiveness. They decide to kill him. But instead of killing him, they decide to throw him in a well which is really bad. It's just mucky. It was empty. That time he was full of mud. 
And then they decide, well, let's not just throw him in a well. Let's make some money off of him. So they some, by the way, they throw him in this well, and then they sit down and they have lunch. Like I said, it's kind of like an episode of The Sopranos. You know, like, eh, pasta, 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 you know. What happens just, ah, we threw him in that well over there. Um, so that goes on. Well, anyway, um, fast forward. Joseph has to go through all this stuff. We talked last week about how, how God uses all the stuff in our lives to shape us. His goal is to make us into the image of his son. Have you realized that? And all the good, the bad, the ugly that happens in life, I'm not saying God does all that stuff, but he uses all that stuff to accomplish his purposes. So where we find this in this place in 40 Five or 42 through 50 is where Joseph has actually went through this thing where he's thrown in the pit, gets out of the pit, gets sold into slavery, gets sold to Potiphar. Potiphar is one of the top officials in Egypt. He rises up and, is, and it says God is with him. You know, God is with us through those really difficult times in life, even when it doesn't feel like he's there. Isn't it, Kaylee, it's a, there's a song we sing about that. Even when you're not there, you're there. Or so, I remember the words of it. But anyway, that's why I'm not a worship leader, why I preach. Um, but anyway, the, the, the bottom line is, you know, he, he's with Potiphar. His, his Potiphar's wife finds him attractive, kind of attacks him, and then says that he attacked her. And he ends up in prison. And then he's in prison for a long time, and God gives him this ability to interpret dreams. And a couple of the, the Pharaoh's top people end up in the same prison. They have, they have dreams. Um, Joseph interprets them. One of them, he interprets, you're going to die. And the other one, you're going to be raised back up in Pharaoh's court. And Joseph says, remember me when you're there. Well, this, is, this goes on. This is a 22-year period from the time he's had these dreams, is thrown into the pit, to the time that we were coming to in our story. 22 years. Don't you wish God would work faster? God, can't you? Isn't there like a drink we can drink and become all of a sudden holy and great and perfect? And It doesn't work that way. And so that's where we pick up the this, this story today. From pit to pinnacle. It basically goes from pride to pit to pinnacle to prison to prominence. And, 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 and that's where we're at. And it's really this interesting journey that he's had to go on. Um, you know, and a lot of you know this and have heard me talk about this before, but Teresa and I literally experienced this in our own life where we came here in 1987 um, I was really anxious and nervous, and I didn't realize it, but I was o- I had OCD, have had OCD, so I was I tended to like feel like I had to do everything perfect, and I felt like well if I do everything right, then the church will do really well, and God will love me, and all this stuff will go good, and so God just let everything fall apart. We brought in we growing really fast. We had like 300 people. We brought in some staff. A couple of staff within a couple months decided they kind of started having secret meetings and decided to start their own church without kind of letting me or anybody else know. And so we went from, I mean, it was terrible. It was some really terrible times. People thought that 
I had done some entries and I've done something wrong. Part of the reason they thought that is because I tend to, you know, if, there, if anything bad in the world happens, I tend to take it on myself. Oh, it's probably my fault. I don't know how, but, you know, like the, the Chinese balloon, I, I don't know what I did, but, you know, probably it's probably me. Um, so I, I tend to do that. But anyway, in the middle of all that, you know, I'm, I'm right before that happened, one of my friends, George Marlowe, who had kind of had this prophetic gift, said and i was really stressed my ocd was kind of in full bloom i didn't really fully grasp the depth of god's love for me and george comes up one day and gives me this prophetic word and he said brent i see a p- i have, think i have a word for you it's from god and he said i see you i see a picture of you and you're crucified but then you're raised up again and i'm like really crucified i don't, I don't like that can you have another is there another word a different word i don't like that and so the next couple of years ended up being that i mean just some horrible horrible stuff for tr- probably some of the most horrible stuff we've gone through in our lives amazingly painful i mean dear friends turning on us you know like i said people taking off splitting the church uh, it was just really really hard things but in the middle of that at the very beginning of that and in the middle of that God began to meet me. And he spoke his love over me. And he actually spoke words to me. And he said, you know what? Satan means this for evil. This is at the very beginning of all these horrible things. Satan means this for evil, but God means, but I mean it for good. I am going to do something amazingly good out of this. And I was like, good luck with that, you know? But through the process, what, what ended up happening in my life, in Teresa's life, first of all, I began to realize that I was OCD, which was super helpful. I also began to realize that my understanding of God's grace and love was based on whether or not I did everything right. And so in the middle of all of this, I'm literally laying on the couch one day in a fetal position, and I hear this singing over me, and I hear God's voice saying, I love you. And I was like, God, how can you love me? I let your church kind of implode. And through that process, it was a several-year process, God began to just do some amazing things in my life to teach me about his grace, to shape me. He had God use these crazy things, these hurtful things, these bad things, these evil things, to make me into who he wanted me to be. And I share that because some of you may be going through some of that and you may be, and you know, we can bucket, we can go, I rebuke that. Or we can go, okay, God, what are you trying to show me through this? And thankfully, God was speaking to me through that whole thing saying, Brent, some people might have meant this for evil, but I mean it for good because I am bigger than all the evil anybody could ever do. I am bigger than the worst thing humanity could do. The worst thing humanity could do was put my son on a cross and crucified him. And guess what? That became the greatest thing that ever happened. Because through that life came to this whole creation. And so, Joseph is in this, this scenario. And so, it's gotten to this place. Joseph finally is 
is in Pharaoh's court, and he becomes basically the prime minister. He's like the second in charge of everything that's going on. He's next to Pharaoh. He is the man because he interprets this dream. Pharaoh sees this picture of seven cows that are really fat and then seven cows that are really skinny. And Anyway, long story short, he interprets it, and he says there's going to be seven years of prosperity, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. You're supposed to start storing up stuff for the seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh does, and he puts Joseph in charge of this whole thing. This whole oper- So Joseph goes from being this despised nobody, because the Egyptians hated the Hebrew people, so they thought they were dirty, disgusting people. There, there was a lot of racial kind of hatred towards the Jewish people. And, but Pharaoh puts him up in this high position. You see what's happening? Remember that dream that Joseph had 22 years before? where his brothers were bound down to him and the sun, moon, and stars were bound down to him. That is happening. And that happened through him being thrown into a pit, through him being falsely accused, through him being put in prison. It happened through all of those things. In that whole process, what God was doing was to try and shape Joseph into the leader that he needed to become to become God's man or women, and, and if you're a woman. And so in this process, the, his, his family, his dad, and, and his family are caught up in this famine. They're not part of Egypt. But his dad finally goes, why are you guys standing around here? Go to Egypt. There's some guy in Egypt who knows what he's doing. Go there and get some food. We're going to die here. So they go to Egypt. And when they go to Egypt, Joseph recognizes these brothers that threw him into a pit. But they don't recognize him because he's older and he's got the whole Egyptian thing on, you know. He's walking like an Egyptian and they just don't get it. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, um, so, they don't, they don't recognize him. But he does them. And then he does this weird stuff. Have you ever read this story? He does this weird thing where he keeps sending them back to their dad. And he says, oh, you've, you've come from... It. And other countries spy us out, and he puts him in prison. And then he has to go away and cry because he's so brokenhearted that his brothers have come. And he's not, you know what's amazing? At this point, he is not vindictive or unforgiving. What he's doing is he's trying to, to help them understand what they did so they too can be transformed. And so he does this whole thing where he sends them out, and he says, because when, when they go, their dad sends everybody except their youngest son, Benjamin. And he doesn't send Benjamin because their dad, Jacob, at this point, doesn't trust him. He thinks they did something to Joseph. They thought they, ki- they killed Joseph. And so he ain't sending Benjamin. I'm not sending Benjamin. Well, they come back, and Joseph made one of the sons stay. And he said, go back to your father and bring your youngest son with you. And it's like, whoa. And I'm going to jump ahead. I'm not going to read the Romans right now. But the oops. The oops. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live. For I fear God, if you are honest, men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back. 
for your starving households, but you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. And the oops is that God is working for our good, but he makes us face our bad. Doesn't he? Doesn't he deal with those deep parts of us? And so suddenly, they're starting to go, oh man, does this remind us of something, right? What do you think they're thinking about when this starts happening? They're thinking about Joseph. In fact, in the next part, the UG, they said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. And they're talking about Joseph 20 year, 22 years earlier. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for his life with us for his life but we would not listen that's why this disaster has come on us Reuben replied didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy but you wouldn't listen now we must give an accounting for his blood they did not realize that Joseph could understand him since he was using an interpreter so Joseph is listening in on all this and it's breaking his heart but you know what he's doing he's doing this amazingly graceful humble thing to see where their hearts are at. The UG is that God makes us deal with our past. He won't, if there's something in your life that's keeping you from becoming everything God wants you to be, He will do whatever it takes and He will allow and use some really hard things sometimes, like He did in my life, Teresa's life, to make us who we're supposed to be. And I want to encourage you in this. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. In fact, in Proverbs 3, it says this. My son, do, ma- do not make light, or my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as sons. And the term discipline there doesn't mean punish. It means that he's, 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 he's it, it comes actually from the word um, Pedia, which means um, pediatric, we get pediatric from it. It means to help somebody grow up and become whole. It means making a child, helping a child to grow up and become whole. That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing in our lives. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. God isn't, God is, isn't content for us to be where we're at. He wants to bring us to new levels of His glory. He's working all things together for good, right? For those who love him who are called according to his purpose. God is working everything together for good for those who love him. Everything. doesn't say God does makes everything, bad, the bad things. It's not saying God does that, but it's saying he's using those things to shape us and mold us. So we move on. And Joseph's brothers at this point have reached that point where they're like, oh my gosh. And you know what's amazing in this story? What happens in this story is when they ask for Benjamin to bring Benjamin back, and then they're going to keep Benjamin, Joseph is. They still don't know who Joseph is. And they're going to keep him. And Judah, the one whose brilliant idea was to sell Joseph into slavery, Judah says, 
please don't do this. Take me instead. Let me be a substitute for Benjamin. Do you see what's happening to Judah over this process of time? He's gone from being a a jealous, angry, unforgiving brother to, to literally being kind of a living small picture of who Jesus is. And he says, take me instead. This would kill my father. The first time, they didn't have any problem throwing Joseph in a pit and taking the robe that his dad had given him, putting some animal blood on it and saying, hey, an animal killed your son. This time, they're like, something has happened. You realize what God has done? God has taken those 22 years, and he's not only changed Joseph, but he's changed his brothers. And he's using Joseph right now to, to help them face what they had done. God ever do that in your life? He brings stuff up. You're like, going along with life seems really fine, and all of a sudden, boom. It's like, really, God? Again? By the way, if something keeps happening again and again, you probably haven't learned it yet. (laughs) That's my lesson. It's like, okay, if this keeps happening, I probably haven't gotten it yet. So part of me is like, okay, God, help me to get this, because I don't want to have to go through this again. But then we have the aha. We have the aha. But Joseph said to them, he brings them into himself. He tells all the Egyptians to leave. He brings his brother in. And he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What God intends for... What others intend for evil, God uses for good. God works all things together for good. One writer writes this, The purposes of God have been at work in, with, and under these sordid human actions. In, these three, in this threefold statement of God's purpose, the first two concerns the future for Israel. They announce unambiguously that God wills and works life for his people. Do you know that God's sole goal for you is to give you life? His sole goal for humanity is to give us life. He does not desire, he doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. He doesn't, he's not like some really mean, you know, he's not like, I've gotten really better with cats. I, I love my cats, and I've gotten nicer. I mean, when we first had cats, I just couldn't resist. You know, my cats would, they would, one of our cats, Michael, many years ago, Michael would get freaked out by socks. I don't know if they reminded him of snakes or something, but he would do, the, you know, if you ever have, any of you ever have cats? It, cats are really funny. They're like just weird. They're really intelligent, but you never know it because, you know, but anyway, he would he would he would see a sock and he would think it was a snake or something. He'd do this, and I just couldn't resist by going ah, and I'd just watch him and he'd jump straight up. <laughs> it was so bad, you know. Well, guess what? Thankfully, God isn't like that. Although I've kind of wondered sometimes if I get when I when I go to be standing before God, God's gonna have a you know put on a giant cat face and go boo, something like that. I don't know. That's not really how God works. God has been at work 
in, with, and under sordid human actions to accomplish his good for your life. Let me just read the rest of the narrative and we'll wrap it up here. In Genesis 45, then Joseph could no longer control himself. This is when he's welcoming his brothers in. He could not longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not even able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Suddenly they were faced with this guy they thought they had killed 22 years ago. Then Joseph said, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Talk about grace. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, part of what Joseph is able to do is see God in the midst of this. Do you see God in the midst of your circumstances? Or do you just see your circumstances? It was to save lives that God sent me. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. For the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Isn't that amazing that Joseph could look at all of the events of his life from the beginning of being thrown into the pit, being an arrogant little snot-nosed brat, to being sold to Potiphar, to being falsely accused, and spending many, whatever, 13 years in prison or whatever, and then being, again, lifted up, up, down, up, down, up, down. One, one co- Old Testament commentator talks about the sun and the frost of God, how sometimes God uses the sunshine to transform us, and sometimes he uses the frost. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Do you see God as in charge of your life? I'm n- now, I'm not saying that God makes every evil thing happen. It's really easy to read the Romans 8 passage where it says, and God works all things together for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's easy for us to go, well, I know your child died, but you know what? God's working all things together for good. That is not a good thing to do, to say. We don't understand. Like Tim Keller said, we, don't, we only understand about 1% of what God's doing. We don't get it. But what we do know is that God's intention for us is good. And this is the we and the yay. God works all things together for good. Walter Brugman says this. The sovereign character of God's purpose can create a rich newness, a genesis 
an unextrapolated freshness which negates the past, redefines the present, and opens the future. The story reaches its climax when the victorious grace of God, Joseph can stand before his sinful brothers and exclaim, I am Joseph. Just so the crucified and risen Christ stands before a sinful world and exclaims, I am Jesus, whom God sent you to save you all. There's a really funny story that Tim Keller tells. He's Tim Keller was um, uh, did some genealogy stuff in his family. And he discovered he was his great grandfather had four wives and seventeen kids. And um, three of his wives died. And he got married again and had like his 16th or 17th kid. Well, Tim Keller was a descendant of that 17th kid. And Tim said one day, he was thinking about that, and he was thinking how it would be great if he could time travel, t- travel back in time when his great-grandfather was burying his third wife, and he could say to him, Grandpa, you don't understand what's going on right now. You know, I know you're burying your third wife. But, ta-da! Here I am. This is the result of all of that happening in your life. Now, does that mean that, that, does that just kind of say, oh, well, then it's okay that the three wives died? No. It doesn't say that's okay. But what it does say is that God was working something. Do you get it? One of my, we're, we're part of the Association of Vineyard Churches. And um, one of the great things about being part of that is I, I got to be in the early days of it. There's a guy named John Wimber that God used. He was a very human, human guy that God used to bring healing and basically plant churches all over. He was kind of like a Martin Luther type person. And John always used to tell us this, and I think it's just a great word for you, all of us this morning. And John would just always say, no matter what was going on, no matter how much things were falling apart, no matter what was going on in the world, no matter how bleak things are, he said, I read at, I read at the end of the book, and guess what? God wins. You know what? I read the end of the book, too, and guess what? God wins. Cheater notes. So for those of you who are here today and are going, God, what are you doing? What have you been doing? I don't get this. Maybe it's with your kids causing pain. Maybe it's just your life has been, it's like, I don't get this, God. I don't get what's going on. I want to encourage us to look at look at the life of Joseph and look at his 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 realization, looking back, going, God did this. God intended this. God used this. And people came back to me after all that stuff happened in the church. Uh, the, the two pastors who split the church came back and apologized to me, and I said, you know, and I just said, you know, I, I was, I was OCD. I, you know, I was I. I, I didn't excuse what they did because it wasn't okay. It was evil. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, I didn't have any ill will towards them because I said, 
God did some amazing things in my life through that whole process. I, I needed that. I'm not trying to explain away all evil or to sugarcoat any of this stuff. But I do, and I want to go back to this, and I'll just end with it. It's the passage I had early on in this, and I never read it. It's from Romans 8. It said, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And God's purpose in our lives is to bring us from this place of being snot-nosed little kids to being justified, sanctified, and glorified. Those are theological terms, but they just mean to, to becoming everything that God intends us to be. That's the whole gospel message. That's the whole message of Jesus. That's the whole, the whole by the way, the, the whole story of Joseph is the story of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was the ultimate culmination of that, where humanity, you know, did its best and thought it was doing its worst and, and, and put the Son of Man on a cross. And we thought, we thought, <laughs> it's so funny, God comes in human form in the person of Jesus and we think he's the devil. That's how messed up we are. God takes that horrible thing, that horrible crucifixion, and uses it to begin the transformation of the whole universe, of the whole world. That's how God begins to transform everything. And if you've never come to know that Jesus, the way your life can begin to be transformed from this to this is to say to this Jesus, who was, Joseph was like an early type of that, to say to this Jesus, Jesus, would you come in and begin this good work in me? Amen. Amen. If anybody wants prayer, um, by the way, it's kind of fun series, huh? Crazy, isn't it? Isn't God crazy? <clears throat> He's awesome. Awesomely crazy. Um, so we're going to have an opportunity. We also have an opportunity for prayer. Right after we're praying, probably around 1130, we're going to start our annual meeting. We're going to try and be, have that done in about 45 minutes. If you're new, you're welcome to stay. Find out a little bit about who we are. Otherwise, may the peace of God rest on you. May, may you get, if you need prayer, come on up. If you're not sure what God's doing, come on up and we'll pray for you.